It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858. Crunching the numbers. Thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre, a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which has tennis for everyone. Perfect for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete. Close to Melbourne Airport with accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. Hello and welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. This is Stephen Huss. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Chris Tonts. Chris, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing great. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, I'm home for the year now, so that's kind of nice. So Claire Lou has finished her year and just give us a quick update. Where did she start the year and where is she now? Uh, yeah, she started the year at, I think it was 94. Uh, right now she's 60. She moved up to 60. So she, she had some good progress this year. And she wanted to get to top 50 by the end of the year. And we came back from Tunisia and she got to, she had one more tournament to try to do that. But we went to Guadalajara. She got sick. Uh, we both got sick coming back from Tunisia. So I said, you can't play. So, so we came home. So, but still, it's uh, a lot of progress this year. So I know she's happy. I'm happy. And uh, now preseason begins in a couple of weeks. That is fantastic, Chris. And just, you know, we are crunching the numbers. So I want to give people a bit of a sense for, do you have it? Or maybe I can look it up real quick is what is the difference in points from being, you know, 60 in the world where she is now and where she started the year at 94? If you get like uh, around 600 WTA points, I think it's like 620. That puts you top 100. So I think she had about 620. Right now she has 910. So she got, you know, added an extra 300. Yeah. And to get to top 50, she needed about another uh, 110 points. So Basically, if she went there, she had to qualify and win a round or maybe two rounds in, in Guadalajara, but it just wasn't going to happen. So I think that's really significant. And for the listeners at home, to go from 600 WTA points to 900 WTA points, obviously that's about a 33% increase. That is a huge jump. That is a big improvement. And I think sometimes the people at home think, oh, well, to move from you know 94 to 60, that can't be much. But that's that's a huge difference. And I think another, we won't, uh, we're not going to spend much time on this, but to go from say 150 in the world to hundred is an enormous amount of points. And while people think it's close, yeah. it's actually a really big jump and it's a really difficult um, hurdle and stage to get through. So congratulations uh, from me personally, and I'm sure that everyone listening on the first serve, a fantastic year for Claire Lou, because it's yeah, certainly not unusual, you. you know, to go, to go down a little bit or up a tiny bit, but that jump is a significant jump. So well, well done to you and Claire. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. 
All right, let's move on to today's topic. Uh, today, I thought our numbers are going to come from, we're going to talk about scheduling. So we're going to talk about number of tournaments that players play. And, and then, you know, I guess the other deeper layer of that is how many matches do they play in a year? Now, this obviously varies at age and stage, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I want to tell a quick story. When I joined the USTA as a, as a national coach, my boss, Ola Melnquist at the time, he told me professionalism in these transition girls that you're working with will, can probably account for 100 ranking spots. And he said, scheduling done properly can probably account for another 100. You know, I was working with some players that didn't have a ranking and some players that were four or 500. And I didn't say anything out loud because I was new, but I thought, what is this guy talking about? Like, seriously, you can't just move up based on professionalism and, and scheduling. But I've come to learn that it is incredibly important how you schedule your tournaments, the number of matches you play, the confidence that you can instill in a player by winning matches versus losing matches. These are all part of the art of coaching. Uh, and so I thought it'd be great to start with, let's get your perspective of kind of Claire's development and her progress, because you've coached her for so many years. And then perhaps you could put some specific numbers around her personally. And then I think we'll drop back to the junior level um, and try and inform, you know, the parents and, and the listeners out there uh, about what numbers are there. We go back when, when I first started working with Claire, then you had that challenging time where she has to play juniors, but she also has to get a pro ranking up because at that time she wasn't sure, you know, am I going to go to college or not? So so that year she played junior, she played five tournaments, five junior tournaments. And fortunately, she won all of them except in the finals of the French. She only played five junior tournaments. She played 15 uh, pro tournaments that year. As you, based on age, you, you know, there's requirements on how many tournaments you can play. So, so the first year was like 2017, she played 20. But I had done a study myself at that time. Like, what's the, what did I find from the, the top 300 players and, based on kind of like winning and losing how many tournaments did they play for me now this wasn't scientific but i found like that it was anywhere from 23 to 25 tournaments so that's the baseline i always use with claire she never plays more than 25 so this year she played 23 she got injured right at wimbledon so we had to kind of adjust the schedule she was shooting to play 25 guadalajara didn't happen she couldn't make san diego so she ended up playing uh because she was still in tunisia so she played 23 this year. Last year, she played 19. She got uh, had, had an injury again. And um, and then the, the year before, she played maybe 23. So she's never never really played. Uh, maybe the year before, she played 25. Maybe that was 2018. So 25, to, to me, is her max. I know that. But she doesn't like to be on the road more than five weeks is really pushing it with her. She really wants to get better. And as she tells me, so she needs it, you know, for every four to five weeks, she wants two weeks of training at home and where we work on stuff. And I, I think that's a good balance for her where there's always training blocks at the end of competition. And then we're working on stuff that, you know, I've pulled from matches and so I think that's beneficial. And can you talk about, uh, so the 20, you know, 23 to 25 tournaments, um, can you talk about how many matches that sort of converts to? And then can you talk a little bit about wins and losses and, and, and sort of level of tournaments and how you schedule that and, and what's important? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So my we had the same boss, Ola, and he recommend we'll get into that. He recommended 70% win ratio. Uh, so I keep that in mind. I also have her schedule from all of her points and when they come off. So I have an idea do we, uh, what's coming off. What do, what do we need to play to get her the confidence? You know, sometimes let's say you go into a week and, you know, a bunch of points are coming off. You know, you might want to prepare before that to get try to get some matches. And, and so it's not so stressful, like, oh, I got 100 points coming off this week. So I'm conscious of when the points are coming off, how many matches she's getting, do we need to drop down? So you got to keep that in mind as you look, the schedule has to be flexible. Fortunately, this year, I think she dropped out of the top 100 for one week. And then all of a sudden, she was at 80, she had went to a 125 and, and won that. It was, but at that point, it was like, do we, we might, we're going to, might need to drop down. And I was talking about that with her. And, and so she's, she's aware of like the planning of the schedule. Tell the listeners what you mean about drop down. Last year, she played more ITFs, which is 100K and below, uh, 60, 80, 100. Uh, this year, she only played WTAs, uh, which is a 125 and above. 125, 250, 500,000. At one point there, I said, okay, well, maybe let's look at the schedule. Let's, she had entered a couple 80 and 100 Ks. She was going to drop down to the ITF level. And then all of a sudden she, she, uh, she won a 125. And then the next week she final of a 250. Uh, that was going into the French. So, so she had gotten a bunch of matches. But one thing I learned is she said, oh, I just don't feel ready for the French. I've gotten, I'm tired of, you know, she had to play the, first round of the French two days after the finals of the 250. So it was like she, next next year she wants a week to prepare for the slams. You know, I'm, I'm learning myself as we go. And then in terms of winning percentage, I think at the level she's at, it would be great if 66% and you know, you're winning. You know, I always set the goal. If you could play three, if you get three matches in a tournament, that's a good week. Obviously, uh, talking to my buddy who used to work with, you know, Lindsay Davenport, if they're not getting to the finals, you know, that's a, that's not a good week, but right now for where Claire's at, if you can get three matches a week at a WTA level, that's a good, that's a 66 this year. I think she won like 62% of her matches, um, which is still pretty good playing WTAs, but she almost got the 30 wins this year. I think she would have got that if she got to Guadalajara, but I think she was like 29 and 20 for the year. Especially someone like Claire, she really feels like I, I, she does better when she, well, I think most do, but she really needs to to feel good about herself and get some wins. So I'm conscious of it. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I know that we uh, we certainly both agree with the, uh, the education, and I think it's important for people to understand that when they schedule tournaments, I mean, I think a common um, prescription is a third of your tournaments at about the level that you're at, a third of the tournaments. Uh, sort of above your level where maybe the tournament's strong and then a third of the tournaments sort of below your level where you can do well. And I think the point is when you aren't winning enough matches or if you're struggling, it's a good idea to drop down a level. And at, and at the pro level, that would be clear going from a WTA to an ITF. But at a junior event, it might be a, a player playing a uh, like in Australia, a, a bronze medal event, you know, in, instead of a silver or in America, it might be playing an L5 instead of an L3. So just getting to a slightly easier tournament so you can increase your chances that you play more matches and gain a bit more confidence. And I must say that that winning percentage for Claire, 62% at WTA level, the first year that she's played 
all WTA tournaments is outstanding. A huge tick to you guys again. And I think that it's a really good number to keep in mind. If you can have the player winning about 66% of the matches, about two out of every three matches, somewhere in that range, then I think you're doing well. If you're losing more than you're winning, it's hard to gain the confidence to then go up, step up and do well. And I think both of us would agree that we've seen players over our time in tennis um, that have made scheduling mistakes with continuing to play high-level events when they're not winning matches. And then also on the flip side, there are some players that are hesitant to step up levels when they're winning so much in an ITF level, they feel comfortable there and they want to keep winning there. And when they go up, they, you know, they perhaps need to persevere at a higher level. So there's a bit of a balance and there's a bit of an art to that. Yeah, no, outstanding information. Like I said, there, there, there was some flexibility there. There, there, there. We were looking at the schedule. We were, I was looking at, hey, is she getting enough matches? And at four or five times this year, she had been entered. She was entered in an ITF the same week as a WTA, and then we had to make that decision. So it just worked out in her favor that she could stay at that level at the WTA. You know, this year was a learning lesson. Like, what level are you really at? So we still don't know where she's really at, but you have to have that backup just in case. Yeah, no, good point. The schedule absolutely needs to be dynamic. And while everyone will plan and periodize ahead, if you play four tournaments and only and only play five matches because you've you know you've lost four of them and only won one, then something probably needs to be adapted after your next training block for your next tournament block. So. Absolutely great point that the schedule needs to be dynamic. You need to be able to change it based on how many matches you're getting, how much success or lack of success you're getting. I know that you're good at this. Can you reel off some of the match counts and winning or, you know, yeah, just match counts, wins and losses of some of the the higher ranked players on the WTA? Um, You know, just give us a few examples of how many matches they've played, you know, and obviously from that, we can probably gauge uh, how, how good their year has been. Yeah, so obviously it's eager. to get to 60 wins in a season is really tough. And I think this year she's 65 and eight. And, and so that's, she would be number one. Incredible. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I was looking at some earlier, I think on Bear, she's like um, 45 and maybe 15. She's at, you know, so to get above 40 wins at the, at the, that level is pretty impressive. Coco Golf is, I think she's had a great year. I think she's eight in the world. She's at 39 wins right now. I don't know what she's maybe 39 and 19 on the year. Great season. And then, but then you look at like, like I looked at Pliskova this morning, who's 20 in the world and she's 21 and 19. Plenty of examples. I remember at one point this year, especially at the beginning of the year, I think Claire was like 12 and six. And she said, oh, I'm not getting enough matches. And I said, well, let's look at all the girls in the top 50. And then see a lot of them are just 500. Now the problem is, let's say Pliskova is 21 and 19 on the year. Once you get to a certain level, let's say top 40, you it's mandatory you have to play these mandatory events these these top thousand you know miami indian wells so if your main draw you have to play i think you get one exception so it gets a little tougher the higher up you get is you're kind of forced to play you can't drop down during a, a one of these big tournaments and say i don't want to go play an itf so a lot of these girls might be you know a 500 for the year uh, in the top 50 it's interesting looking at the top 10 uh, women um, from a tournaments played perspective, and I'll, I'll just read them out, the, the number of tournaments played for the top 10. So it goes 
17, 18, 19, 21, 16, 22, 17, 24, 19, 21. The highest number you got there is Paula Badoza at 24, but everyone is kind of in the high teens and low 20s. And I think it's just another, it's a good example of, yes, these players are the best players in the world. And yeah, they're there for a reason. But I think part of that reason is that they're taking time for training blocks. They're taking time to ensure their health. Uh, and when they go to tournaments, they're prepared. They're fully invested. They are ready physically, mentally. They've had their rest. They've had their preparation. And of course, you'd say, oh, but that's why they're so good. They can afford to play less. Well, I would argue that this is a reason why they've gotten so good is because they have scheduled well. I mean, generally, when you go further down the rankings, you'll see more and more tournaments played. But I am pretty impressed with looking at this list that I mean, most girls are in the 20s, I would say. And then there's some that are in the low 30s. So, yeah, there are some players that are playing. You know, Diane Carey has played 35. You know, there's a couple of other players that are 33 here. Tatiana Maria is 34. So, yes, there are some some higher numbers of tournaments in there. But uh, I think it's it's important to get the balance right of number of tournaments, number of matches, winning percentage. Um, so, yeah, uh, Chris, we don't have a lot of time here, yeah. but so I want to I want to drop back and I want to just give some recommendations for for the junior ages that parents and and even coaches sometimes are thinking. All right, how often should they play? How many matches should they play? So, I looked at a couple of the different um, federation websites, uh, Tennis Australia, um, the USTA, and I and I know that what we've been told as well, and they're very similar. So I don't think I have to sort of read out every single one, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a bit of information and then perhaps you can bounce back and, and let me know your thoughts. Australia, you guys are in a tough position because if you look at the pros, and I'm sure it's like the, you get stuck because you're so far away from everything, so you end up playing more tournaments. They're on the road. Yeah, it's hard to travel back and forth, right? It's so yeah, much yeah. harder to travel back and forth from Australia, but, yeah, I think the yeah. Australians need to know that that's an expense that they're going to incur, and it, I, I did it when I played. I went, I sort of left home in February and, you know, could have been gone till October or November um, but I think it's good for your sanity and and to get back a couple of times a year if you're Australian or, or have a base overseas I would absolutely encourage the best yeah. players to do that but anyway we're getting off topic let's get back to tournaments so from an under 10 perspective okay there aren't neither federation is saying hey go out and play tournaments I mean that's the time where you're trying to get kids to fall in love with the game enjoy it you know play some local you know league stuff little competitions against each other but they're not going to be ranking points. It's going to be more for participation, enjoyment. Personally, I think at that participation level, they should have much more team-orientated things, more doubles, um, try and get kids to stay in the game a little bit more. But anyway, I I digress. When you get to the sort of the 10 to 12 age group, uh, the recommendation is is sort of to play, you know, around 10 tournaments, 12 tournaments, maybe up to 14 tournaments. And can they play something like 60 matches in a year? You know, and... That would include doubles. So maybe you play, you know, 40 singles, 20 doubles, somewhere in that area. And then as you move from sort of 12 to 15, 
then you're looking at between 12 and 17 tournaments a year and about 80 or 90 matches. Um, that still sounds like a lot to me, especially for these kids that are in full-time school. Yeah, yeah so that, that sounds like a lot, in my opinion. Um, I think at 12, USTA recommends 60. Australia has that range 12 to 15, and they're up to 80 or even 90 matches. And then I think once you get past 15, 15 to 17, you're up in that 80 matches plus um, range. And then I think around, you know, 60, 16, 17 plus, now you're looking to try and get 80, 100 matches. 80 matches could be 20 tournaments at four four matches a week or it could be like oh I got to play my, my club competition you know in, in Australia it's it's pennant it could be UTRs it could be you know all sorts of things so they all count towards tournaments but in general uh, I mean my feeling is that it's quite a high number of uh, quite a high number of matches um, and it's difficult for parents to run around every single weekend or every second week trying to play two tournaments a month to try and get all these in. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Eight to a hundred—that's a. But I thought oh, at first I thought maybe that's doubles. That says singles, and that's a lot. Let's say now this would be like a Brenda Fruvertova, who's from Czech, who's very good. Uh, and how old is Brenda? Fifteen years old. Okay. And so, okay, so this year she's. 49 and six on the ITF. She's won like maybe five, 25 Ks. Wow. Yep. She's, she's obviously in the juniors right now. She's 10. She was as high as three. She's past the junior level. If she's won five, 25 Ks for her, she needs to jump up. I would say and play more sixties or whatever, but so she's played this year. She's yeah. She's probably almost achieved. No, she hasn't even achieved that goal because she's only played, uh, six matches at the junior level but that's a that to me seems a little high i would shoot if it was me i'd say you know 60 matches at the junior level is reasonable and i always go back to the jose garris who we worked with at the usta where he said uh, be in a hurry but don't be in a hurry be in a hurry to get better but don't be in a hurry to see the results. So, you know, everyone's different, but I would say focus still on, it doesn't matter the match count. It doesn't matter if you hit, I need to hit 80, but you know, obviously you want to be winning, but also prioritize. I need to keep improving. That's what I would say. And remember, I think an important thing that we should point out and, and something to me is very important is that playing tournaments, playing matches is it's not just to get ranking points, right? It's not to achieve a better ranking. I mean, the kids need to play matches for development. So, you know, they need to understand that tennis is not just hitting a ball and being good at hitting topspin or forehands and backhands. It's actually a game to be played. And so I think that a lot of these matches at junior level are in aid of development, not just, oh, I have to do my, I have to get my ranking up. I mean, at the WTA level with, with Claire, I mean, she's, She's absolutely working on her on her progress and her development all the time because you guys are taking training blocks and taking the time to do that. But when she's playing the tournaments, I'm sure that you are both very aware of, okay, rank, you know, ranking points, what are they, where we need to be to be in the slams, yeah. all that sort of stuff. But at the junior level, that to me is much less important. And so these matches are in aid of development, not just as a way to get ranking points or to achieve a number next to your name. So I think that's, do you agree that that's incredibly important and that parents and coaches yeah. need to have a mindset around that development stage at the, at the junior age and the matches that they're getting include all the, you know, local competition they're playing, the Saturday morning competition. The Yeah, that, that's well said. And, and I have a junior and, and 
he, he's top 10 in the 18s in, in the U.S. The dad's great. He's all about, like, he'll take him out of a tournament if he doesn't feel like he's progressing the way he wants him to. He, he's all about getting better. Uh, he's going to Notre Dame next year, but, boy, they got the right attitude. It's not about just, oh, uh, I'm going to go play this tournament and, and because everyone else is, and he's pulled him out of a bunch. He said, I don't think he's ready. So, yeah, I agree. All right, Chris. Well, thank you for another episode here of uh, Crunching the Numbers. I hope that uh, the listeners have found this valuable. I, I have absolutely come to respect um, scheduling, tournament count, match count, and using that as, as certainly as a tool to improve our players, to aid in their confidence rather than dent their confidence. So hopefully some of this information has been helpful and can be applied to uh, anyone who's listening. Thanks for your time, Chris. Again, great, you, great job this year. Look forward to the next one. Me too. Thanks. Signing off. Take care. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.